0: Good morning, good morning, good morning church What a wonderful opportunity God has given us this morning to worship Him And to do so in spirit and in truth What a wonderful opportunity to worship the Lord this morning I know that I am not the only one who appreciates a good worship song Amen I'm sure all of you who have tuned in this morning Appreciated that, that brief worship set uh, I personally love it. I wish I had that particular talent. Um, I'm always praying. I'm always asking for the Lord to give me that talent. Uh, I know that He can do it. I know one day He's going to do it. Uh, I know I said something along the lines like this before. I just, I just truly appreciate it because I know what worship does to me in my soul. What it does to me. How it, how it centers me on the things that matter most. Amen. Worship is embedded in our Spiritual DNA, and so many people, and I'm sure you've heard this statement before, have stated that God has created us to worship. Uh, I just love worship music. It does. It allows me to move in the direction that I need to be moving in as it relates to the will of God for my life. It it just keeps me Christ-centered, even when we think about the difficult times that we're going through this COVID-19 pandemic. If we can somehow keep ourselves rooted and grounded in worship, believe it or not, we can stay focused and we can continue moving in the direction that God desires for us to be moving in. I want you to think about those thoughts as we get into the Word of God this morning. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalms 46. Um, it's a special passage to me. They're all special, right? But it's special because it it it, it touches on the subject of worship. And in this particular text, it reveals secrets related to how the sons of Korah abounded in the faith. Amen. I'm going to say that again. It gives us just a few basic secrets of how the sons of Korah, they were the ones who wrote this particular um, song, um, and how they abounded in the faith is relatively simple. I'm going to keep it basic. I'm going to try to keep this as brief as I possibly can. I don't need Don Lansing on my back. (laughs) I know he's laughing right now. It's it's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, I do need to learn how to keep it a little brief. I can be a little long-winded. I guess that's just simply because I love the Word of God. I I love what it does to me on the inside. I'm, I'm just completely dependent on the truth of the Word of God. It keeps us all moving in the direction we need to be moving And amen? Anyway, without further ado, why don't you read along with me Psalms 46. I'm going to read the entire psalm um, to you this morning, and it begins like this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. Just at the break of dawn, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Last verse. Actually, it's not the last verse. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. What a powerful psalm about applying the principle of worship during a difficult season in the lives of the Israelites, especially this one particular worship team who put this psalm together. Let's go before the Lord in prayer briefly. Father, we thank you once again uh, for this precious morning, for this precious service that you have allowed us to to. To have this morning, thank you for just the the wonderful truth of allowing you in your presence. Lord, and I say that with emphasis because it's just so easy to lose sight of things like that that matter most. Uh, Especially for us, those of us who are your children. May you help us this morning to be engaged. May you help us this morning to be intentional with our worship, with our service to you. May you help us understand this text, this word. Father, it's not going to be a Bible study. We're not going to be talking about the Holy City and all those other amazing things that the psalmist talked about in this text. We're not going to go through this verse by verse. It's just an extrapolation of just a couple of points that would help us in our difficult time of need uh, during this pandemic. Father, we thank you so much for it. I pray your blessings on your people. I pray a special blessing on those who celebrate a birthday today, those who celebrate perhaps an anniversary, and also of course for those among us who are sickly. I know Pastor Roy prayed for Rico, I pray for Millie as well, his wife, I pray for Eileen, I know he prayed for her, and um just everybody else in our fellowship, in our small community of believers here at Grace Noah and the families that we represent who are also struggling during this time as well. Father, may you minister to us. May you give us an increased measure of grace, an increased measure of faith during this time uh, as we continue moving towards depending upon you for all things. We praise you and we thank you. In these things we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. I. Just love the thought, um, as I was reading through this one particular psalm and just looking over a couple of points, looking over a couple of things, I, I did pick up my commentary this week and I looked at it. I uh, just wanted to uh, just get a general idea of what was taking place here. And to me it's extraordinary because one of the things that I've discovered, I don't really want to get ahead of myself, this is the one thing i got on my mind right now, uh, but it's just amazing the backdrop of this one particular psalm and what was happening in the nation of Israel during that time. I'm sure I'm gonna, it's going to come up someplace in my notes, but I'm thinking of the Sennacherib. I'm not sure if that's an accurate pronunciation of uh, the ruler of Assyria and how he was besieging De- Jerusalem during this one particular time in the 7th century. I'm sure I'm going to repeat, repeat that again when it comes up in the notes. Hopefully, I can just overlook it, right? But it was a difficult time. It was a difficult season in the lives of every Israelite during that time. And yet, in spite of those difficulties, this worship team, that's right, this worship team was able to maintain their focus on their assignment and everything else that you could think about along those lines they maintained focus on the things that matter most they knew in whom they had grown to believe in they knew who they were serving and they maintained as i said already a couple of times they maintained their focus and their service to the almighty god and i think it's right of it today because we're going through difficult times we've been saying this we've been repeating this over and over again some of us would love this process of regathering to move along a little a little, a little faster than what it is right now, and yes, we're going to get there someday, right? Um, but I hope and pray that you are encouraged by just the simplicity of this message, message today, um, and that it helps you give you uh, perspective, at least with regard to your resolve—the resolve that we should all have in the midst of difficulties Amen. And so, it is obvious this worship team understood what it meant to truly. Uh, live selfless, selfless lives in the Lord. And with that in mind, I want to give you the first point uh, of this particular lesson this morning: is never lose sight of God. Never lose sight of God. And if you wanna, if you're taking down any notes whatsoever, the a good passage for you to to revisit a little bit later would be Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 17 and 18, those passages there, as well as I believe it's Numbers 36. And, and the reason why I give you those passages is because it gives you the backdrop on what was happening in the lives of this particular worship team um, during that time so many, so many years ago. Um, and it has to do with the sons of Korah or the family of Korah, that is, um, and the troublesome time that existed in their lives during that time. It, it, it's important to note because as I stated already, they were able to remain focused in spite of the things that were transpiring in their lives. So no matter the motivation, they remain diligent in their service. They refuse to lose sight of the Lord. There are three elements or three, three aspects of this particular point that are, that are touched upon in this one particular psalm. I want you to look at verse one again with me, and then we're going to look at verse seven, and then verse eleven. Psalms forty-six, verse one says, "God is our ver- our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble." God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Look at verse seven. It says, "The Lord of hosts is with us." We're talking about not losing sight. Of God the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our fortress now look at verse 11 it says the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our fortress I think those those particular verses are extremely important uh, because they remind of uh, they remind us really well Of the fact that God is, God is on his throne. God is absolutely present. God surrounds us during this one particular time. He is at work behind the scenes of our lives. In fact, I think it was Paul the Apostle who gives the impression that he's above us, he's beneath us, he's around us. God is just simply all around us. This is the things that are transpiring in society today are not surprising to God. In his sovereignty, he is at work. In his sovereignty, sovereignty, he is in control. And as God, God's children, we need to be mindful of this all the time. Amen, somebody. We need to be mindful of these things all the time. Because if we are not, then the voices in society today, the voices in the world today, that will cause us to lose sight of it, And then we will lose our sensitivities to the things of God, to the voice of God, and the things that pertain to God. Jesus said, I think this is one of Ron Muir's favorite passages, where he talks about how the children of God, where God's children know his voice. Jesus was talking about this, and I think that's extremely important, again, especially during this season that we find ourselves in. What becomes of us as children of God if we lose sight of God? We lose our sensitivity to His voice. His Spirit will continue to operate in our lives. But when we lose our sensitivity to the operation of the Holy Spirit within us, then we kind of lose our way. We lose sight. And it's like finding yourself in a dark room, in an unknown space, in a dark room, and just simply trying to navigate your way through that space. It's going to be a, a, a very difficult thing, thing to do. You're actually going to come out of there bruised. Uh, because you're just going to bump into everything. And so I just think it's important to never lose sight of God. I got, a couple, I got one verse for you. That's taken from um, Psalms 91 verse 1. It reads, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to read that again. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I don't know about you, but I like to stay focused on the fact that my God is in control, that my God is right alongside me. He's inside of me. He's above me. God is all around me and like a chick finding refuge under the wings of this hen of mommy right that's where I am. That's a wonderful picture of where God's children should be. So this should shape our attitude. It should shape our mindset with regard to God's support and his defense. You know, I should add that this particular passage, It. I, I'm trying to think of the exact words that the commentator um, shared that he wrote with regard to this particular season. It wasn't a military campaign that they won during this time. It was a victorious defense against the Assyrians. The Assyrians were besieging the city of Jerusalem and God's people rose up in defense of the city, in defense of their lives. The worship team continued to sing during this time. Amen. And I love, I just love that image And as a result of the fact that they did not lose sight of God, they were able to maintain focus, and they won the victory at the end of the day. And then, of course, there are a couple of different psalms dedicated to that particular defense, or the success, successful defense. Anyway, um, there's a second element to this particular point, never losing sight of God. The first one, of course, I'm not sure if I gave it to you, was refuge. That was verse 1, 7, and 11. That God is our refuge. The second one is that God is our strength. And it's also, of course, I'm not going to read the verse again. Is also taken from verse 1. Look at your text and you will see it. God is our refuge and strength. I believe that's exactly what it says. And, and, and so in spite of the wars and rumors of wars that existed back then in the context of, of the Israelites and Jerusalem and everything that they were enduring during that time... They were able to declare by faith that God indeed was their strength. And as a result, they were able to win the victory at the end of the day. And I think that's extremely relevant in our lives today. Where are you with your faith today? Or more specifically, where are you today with regard to your perspective about your God? Is He present on your heart and on your mind today? Is he assisting you through this particular situation that we find ourselves in? Is he enabling you to maintain a sound perspective, a sound mindset about everything that's transpiring under your own roof? And I say that because some of us are struggling in different ways. You know, we got we got a few who are sickly and ill among us whom we pray for all the time. Some of us are out of work. We've talked about that once before. That's a difficult situation. I don't know if I shared this before, but in the apartment complex where my wife and I live, when we moved in about just, I don't know, seven eight seven eight months ago, maybe less than that, uh, there was only one apartment available, and that was ours, the one that we moved into. And when we moved in, uh, the entire complex was filled i think it's got over forty unit over hundred and twenty units actually because it's got two different sections the Tierra palms and the courtyards belonging to the same owner hundred and forty units and when we moved in we filled it right now in these last four weeks there are at least twenty to thirty vacancies what's the point so many people are out of work they were unable to pay the bills they were unable to pay the rent and I believe the, the complex allowed them to break their lease as a result. These are difficult times, and some of you may be able to relate to this. You're out of work, and you're struggling, and you don't know necessarily how you're going to pay the rent, the mortgage, or the bills. Please know, as it was true for the sons of Korah, the entire worshiping, worship team of Israel, and the entire nation of Israel, it is true for you and I today. I think it is safe to say that we can lean upon our God because he is our ultimate source of strength. Ephesians six 6.10 says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, brethren. See, I made a joke of this once before. It says brethren, it's talking about us, right? <laughs> talking about us it says finally brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his his might you know we we, nowhere in scripture have we been promised that the sky over our heads metaphorically speaking of course is going to be blue all the time nowhere in scripture does it say that we will that we will actually live through perfect seasons in our lives Uh, seasons without storms seasons without trials and tribulations Quite to the contrary. Um, Paul the Apostle, I believe it is. I'm not sure exactly where it is at this time. But he says that everyone who names the name of Christ should expect to suffer persecution. That's a paraphrase, of course. Um, And then, of course, the third element to this particular point, never losing sight of God, is that God is an ever-present help in trouble. And this is taken from verse 1 and verse 5. So not only is he our refuge, not only is he our source of strength and our strength, but he's always present. Always present. And I think you should say that along with me. God is always present. Verse 1 and verse 5 actually speak to that point. I'm going to allow you to read that. I'm going to share a verse and then I'm going to move on to the second point. Jeremiah 29, 29 says, For I know the plans... That I have for you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you hope and the future. I love that. It resonates with me during this time to know that God is with me, to know that God is in control, and that He has wonderful plans in store for me and for you in spite of the storm that exists in our lives today. God is present. And he's working it all out. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. Point number two for this one particular text is just simply fear not. Fear not. And again, think about the backdrop. Think about the the the. The crisis that existed in the lives of the Israelites during that time. And again, I'm going to encourage you, look at the book of Numbers, look at 16, go on to eventually to 36. If you want to skip, you can do so, but you got to read chapter 36, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'll correct that. I'll send you a text, an email later on if I have to, but you got to see what was transpiring in their lives and how difficult of a season it was and the reason why i'm mentioning that like that repeatedly is because the assyrians were brutal they were extremely brutal and they killed one another even in fact when when a new king stepped into power it was usually after the previous king was slaughtered by his own people even by his own by their own children that's exactly right and you see that in the text, in the Bible, in the Book of Numbers, they were they were a br- brutal people, and they loved blood. They loved cruelty, and so in, you're going to learn if you read the Book of Numbers that I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Roy, yeah, loudly if you want, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I believe it was King Hezekiah who knew that this that this army was advancing against them, and he sent gifts. In advance, lots of goods, lots of tangibles, hoping to appease the Assyrian king. Um, They wanted to live, right? The text, the Bible allows me to understand that the king's accepted. He took these gifts, but he reneged. He made no promises. In fact, he continued to advance upon Jerusalem, and the war proceeded as a result. I mean, there were evil men, and yet in spite of that, in this one particular passage in verse two, I want you to make note of it, there are twice we are giving the impression we are or a fearlessness is acknowledged. Twice in verse two and then twice in verse three. Look at verse two with me. It says and I quote, though the earth be removed, that's a reference a reference to a fearlessness that that should exist in our hearts. And our minds as children of God. It says, though the earth be removed. And then once again, though the mountains be carried into the sea. Now look at verse 3. It says that I quote, though the waters roar and are troubled. And then once again in verse 3, though the mountains shake by an earthquake. It's an acknowledgement of the need to be fearless. As children of God, in spite of the storm, or the battles, or the wars, and all these other things happening in our lives. I think it's extremely important to make this point, because we know that if we, if there's anything we know about fear, is this. Fear paralyzes. It destroys resolve. It negates a, an offensive on our part. It causes us to backpedal it'll cause us to backslide in the things that pertain to God it'll put us on the defensive alone and then eventually if we entertain fear long enough it'll cause us to give up on the things that pertain to God all together I don't know about you but God has given me a particular vision and I'm talking about for my personal life this vision that that, that's centered around my faith, my Christianity, my walk with the Lord for these last 30 years, in spite of all the circumstances that have arisen in my life. And I just simply want to challenge you to move in a direction of eradicating fear from your life, if indeed it exists. It's, it's important, because if we want to experience the will of God in our lives, If we want to endure, if we want to press in and press through and experience victory, then we need to be fearless. Jesus said in John 10.10, the devil came to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Now, I love that because as children of God, we are to experience an abundant life. It doesn't mean we're all going to be millionaires. It doesn't mean the sky is going to be blue over our heads. It does not mean the refrigerator is not going to be empty from time to time. It just means that where it matters the most in our inner man, this victory as children of God, we can endure. Amen, somebody. So, the, the idea is that we need to make room for God in our lives. And when we, when we dismiss, when we denounce fear... We literally do just that, or figuratively do just that. We make room for God, and we dismiss or remove defeat from our lives. You know this as well as I do. It has been stated that at least 365 times the Bible says, fear not. Uh, This gentleman by the name of Lloyd Ogilvie, I was just looking up some things online um, yesterday and the day before, and Lloyd Ogilvie actually presents a correction And he says, the Bible says, fear not 366 times, which would include a leap year. I think that's extremely interesting. I also think it's interesting that the Bible would say fear not that many times. Um, You know where I'm going with that. I'm going to digress and I'm going to move along. But just think of that. It's so extremely important. God doesn't want his children to be fearful, especially during the season we find ourselves in right now. Isaiah 41 verse 10 as it relates to this particular point, I want you to put that down Isaiah 41 10 says, fear not for I am with you he was of course talking to the children of Israel during that time, he was talking to the Hebrew people, but because we are children of God today, it speaks to us as well, it's absolutely relevant Paul echoes this sentiment, he talks about these sort of things in his epistles he says, fear not for I am with you be not dismayed for I am your God. Oh, Amen. Somebody, hey, listen. I've been there, done that. I know what it's like to feel as if I'm drowning. Um, the problems get so intense, and from time to time, it feels as if we like we we can't breathe. We're suffocating. We're drowning. It's dark all around us. We can't navigate. We can't, uh, and we feel pain. The, the spiritual difficulty becomes so intense. That it translates itself to a, a affecting our physical bodies, and we still feel pain literally in our physical body. I love that point because it says, fear. and point number three, the last point that I have for you is just simply be still. It relates to the title of this message. I apologize, I don't even know if I've given it to you. It's, the title is Be Still, I Am God. Be still. I am God. And that's this third point. It's be still, I am God. And believe me when I tell you I have a healthy appreciation for this one particular point. I was touching on this uh, a little bit earlier when I talked about the sovereignty of God. But I want you to look at verse 8. Verse 8 and verse 9. Verse 8. The clause is, quote, making desolations on the earth. Look at verse 9. The clause is causing wars... And then again in verse 9, breaking the weapons of war. That should speak volumes to you and me. Not just during this time, but every day of our lives. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of, uh, of the situation in our lives. This should be our position. It should shape our attitude with regard to our position in the Lord. It should speak volumes again about the size the manifold size, the scope, the depth, the power, the might of your God and mine. He says he makes desolations on the earth. He causes wars to cease. He breaks the weapons of war. That, that's a mighty God we serve. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is the only God in existence. And he's a mighty, mighty God. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the lily of the valley. He is everything to me. He is my shield and my buckler, the Bible says. Amen. Um, anyway, this point has um, a twofold application. Number one, he says, be still and know that I am God. That's the verse. I'm not sure. I don't have the text in front of me. Let, me. let me get that. Let me look at that for a moment. <clears throat> Psalms 46 verse 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. There are two aspects to this one particular point. I was looking at it. I was studying it. And number one, God is silencing the unbelieving world around us. Or oh, God is silencing the voice of unbelievers. So God is silencing the voice of the wicked, the voice of the arrogant, the voice of those who dishonor God, the voice of those who are reaping havoc on the world today. God silences the voice. And I want you to take the time when I'm done, on your own time, and I want you to look at the context of that surrounding that particular verse. Verse 10. What is it God What is it the the psalmist is referring, or who is he referring to in verse 9, and how he flows into verse 10? God silences the voice of the wicked. That's extremely important, because to you and I, he is saying, be still to the world. Listen, it's, it's it's not difficult to understand that from time to time, especially with the numbers, if you will... Most of the time, it, if we're not careful, it would seem as if you and I, as children of God, are in the minority. It seems as everybody else is in control. The who was it who said that the did the wicked flourish like a green bay tree? It, it, if we're not careful, that would be our perspective in society today about the advancement of the wicked around us, and so we would take this posture of defense. Rather than a posture of offensiveness. Moving forward, perpetuating the things of God. Declaring the word of God with boldness and in truth. uh, Because that's exactly where we stand in the things that pertain to God. Um, Anyway, Psalms 107 verse 41-42 says this. It says, but he raises up the needy out of distress. And he makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad... And all wickedness stops its mouth. And all wickedness stops its mouth. It's not necessarily talking about the wicked of the believers. He says, read the context, read the entire chapter, and you will see there's a distinction being made between the righteous, whom God is moving in to assist, to help, and to bless, and the distinction that the, from the unbelievers around them, the dishonorable, the wicked. The, who exalt themselves in persecution against the righteous. Oh, man. And it says God silenced, silences their wickedness. That's extremely important. In other words, to the world around us, to the naysayers around us, God is saying, be still. But the flip side is, the second aspect of this point is that God silences the storms within us as well. In other words, he gives us peace. The Bible does not say that God impedes on our forward progress. He simply takes he, he simply takes away the not the loud noise that exists, if we can put it that way. He takes away the loud noise and he gives us a voice. He silences the storm within us. And again we could allude to those passages in the gospels where the disciples had those experiences. On the Sea of Galilee, and how Jesus Christ would come in, and He would silence those storms, um, and He enhances faith in our lives as a result. I think this is extremely important because, again, we we get we are bombarded on a daily basis with the the voice of the enemy on so many different levels, and God would have us to understand who we are as children of God. He wants to silence the storm in our lives. And to these storms, he says, be still. Or as he said in the Gospels, peace, be still. And he gives us a voice. I want you to listen to something. I'm moving towards closing. Maybe a minute or two remaining. But in Psalms 27, verse verses 1 through 3, 1, 2, and 3, the psalmist says this. And this is this is a declaration in me. This should be the declaration in you, if it isn't already a declaration. This is the voice that God gives us when He silences the storm in our life. When He says, peace, be still, and know that I am God. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, there it is, both of them in play. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. That's Psalms 27, 1 through 3. And that's a wonderful ending to this one particular point and this one particular lesson. The response is be still and know that I am God. Number one, do not lose sight of your God in the midst of your difficulties. Do not lose sight of God and just make the application to wherever you need to make that application. Our God is mighty. He is a mighty God, Elohim. He is the immutable one the self sufficient one he is el dios todopoderoso he has all might and all dominion everything belongs to him the bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills do not lose sight of god and then the second point was fear not we know that at least 365 times in the bible it stresses this point fear not you and I, as children of God, we are not in the minority. We are always in the majority. God said to Moses, or whoever wrote the last chapter, the last couple of chapters in the book of Deuteronomy, was it whether it was Moses or somebody or Joshua? The Bible says God will make us a head and not the tail. Amen. And then this last point is be still. Just simply be still. Because I am God. God is looking to move into our affairs. To take ownership of every space in our lives. As well as this regathering situation that we're dealing with as a congregation. And God is saying be still. I'm working it out. Amen. Church let's pray. Father we thank you so much. For your word. We thank you so much for your truth. And. As it relates to this one particular message We thank you for these points that you stressed out today that you, that you laid out for us to understand That we as your children should not be losing sight of you You are mighty, you are awesome, you are glorious In fact, the, 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 at least the King James text uses the word in reference to you It uses terrible, that you are the mighty, terrible God Not an awful God Not a disgusting God, but a mighty God. And I'm so thankful to know that. I can rest assured that you have my best interests at heart. And then you tell us, Lord God, in this word, not to fear. At least four times, the author (laughs) stresses or acknowledges this particular point, that we should fear not. You remove the mountains, you remove this, and you remove all these difficulties in our lives and you allow us to excel victoriously and then lord you tell you silence the storm in our lives and you give us a voice and in that same process you silence the voice of our enemies you silence the naysayers you silence the voice the voices in this world vying for our attention you give us foundation you give us truth which sets us free And then you give us this powerful offensiveness where we can move forward proclaiming the glory of the Lord in spite of the circumstances in our lives. Father, please bless us during this time. Help us through this particular transition as a church. And we thank you in advance because we know that you're going to do exactly that in order for you to be exalted and glorified in these circumstances. We praise you and we pray in Jesus' name. God's people say Amen. Thank you church for tuning in. Just want to give a quick shout out to all the church members um, as well as my family member and friends back in Philadelphia who may be tuning in. My mother's probably watching. My son Gabriel's probably watching. My my, my brothers may be watching as well. I love you guys church. I love you so much. I sent a text, a comment via the, the chat on our YouTube while Pastor Roy was sharing earlier. Um, should you be in need? Um, st- <laughs> this is funny. We still got toilet paper hanging around, right? So if you need some toilet paper, you need something else, you need some prayer, please do not hesitate to reach out to one of us. Um, Tim is always always looking forward to communicating. Pastor Roy is here. Uh, myself, um, Dave Goodwin, Ron Muir. We got um, Eddie, Vet, and Victor. All those guys are always available. All you have to do is reach out. We love you. God bless you. Have a good day. Amen.